This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus. I wanted to remind you that the show is not intended to be a recommendation for diagnosis or treatment of any condition for any specific person. Please consult your mental health professional or doctor managing your ADHD or mental health issues about any diagnosis or treatment related information that you hear on the show. Refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. We're here today to talk again with Dr. Bill Dodson, who is one of the leaders in thought and practice in ADHD. He has over 20 years experience in the field of adult ADHD. And Bill, welcome back to the program. Pleasure to be here, David. So today we're going to be talking about rejection sensitivity, which is an extreme example of the emotional dysregulation. So what have you found? The special case of rejection-sensitive dysphoria was discovered 50 years ago by Paul Wender, and then for a whole bunch of reasons um, got intentionally ignored. Um, And it then got rediscovered five or six years ago Um, And right now, it's brand new, um, but we're just doing the very first studies now on validating the concept that, yeah, it really is a thing. Uh, And here's the research to back it up, because there isn't any right now. So that's that's coming. Mm -hmm. And, Bill, I'm going to uh, compliment you on your modesty, but I remember hearing you talk in a ADD conference, boy, it must have been 10 years ago. 10 years ago, uh, and you said you and your group have tried to sort out this why do people with ADD so reactive when they perceive being rejected, ignored, discounted, and that rejection sensitivity. So you and folks you've worked with or talked with um, are really the pioneers, I think, in identifying this. And that, in fact, that conference was the first time we presented our, our stuff um, in public. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very well received. People mm-hmm. who have ADHD really identify with it. Um, so, that, again, this is one of those separations where people who have ADHD have a totally different understanding of what's going on than the people who research ADHD. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they really are almost totally separate existences. Uh, one of the things that you and I were talking about was that um, for people who have ADHD, the term hyperfocus is coined around. Everybody knows what it is. They, everybody's had it. Uh, it's everybody understands the term, but if you do a search in the literature, there's not a single mention of the concept anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime, any language. It's just not there. So uh, there's a great disconnect uh, between the people who experience and live ADHD and those who uh, are research and write about it. And I think since doing research, you have to be really organized, plan in advance, keep track of a lot of details. Probably most of the researchers don't have ADHD. That's right. Um, Most of the people who treat ADHD do have ADHD. (laughs) Um, 
And that, that's how they got into it. Either they had a terrible time getting their ADHD treated, or they have a friend or family member who got terrible treatment for their ADHD, and that's what gave them the motivation to say, I'm going to spend a thousand hours of my time learning how to do this well. Yeah. Uh, just about everybody I know uh, is, is pretty much self-taught. Because uh, mm -hmm. there's no other place to learn it. So, it's, again, that's one of the great disconnects. So, uh, the reason that rejection-sensitive dysphoria got sort of put to the wayside is it's very difficult to research. One, it's not always there. Yes. Two, uh, when it uh, is there, you can't measure it. Now, yeah. how, how do you measure dysphoria, feeling bad, or you know, where there's no measure. And the third reason is most people who have re rejection sensitivity are very ashamed of it. They feel very guilty about it. They don't want yeah. anybody to mm -hmm. know about it. So they're not going to tell you unless you know to ask. Um, so those three strikes uh, mean it's, it's almost impossible uh, for really research it, validate it, measure it, and most of all, publish. Uh, so mm -hmm. people, if I can't publish it, I'm not going to bother with it. So the definition, the question that's on my checklist, um, actually comes out of an old psychiatric textbook as the definition of rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And it goes, for your entire life, have you always been much more sensitive than other people you know to rejection, teasing, criticism, or your own perception that you failed or fallen short. In my mm -hmm. practice, like 98% of people would check that, they put stars by it, they underline it. Uh, my personal favorite was, this caused my first three divorces. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's an epiphany. You mean I'm not alone in this? Other people feel mm -hmm. like um, and so it's, it's a very powerful um, em emotional experience. In fact, the term dysphoria is Greek for unbearable. Um, nobody likes being criticized. Nobody no. likes being rejected. Um, but for people with ADHD, it's a totally different critter. It's yeah. So it's that exaggerated, disproportionate feeling um, where someone else would say, hey, I was just teasing, yeah. and that person doesn't understand. Um, yeah, that was huge. I think of one, uh, yeah, one little guy here when uh, mother, they were, we were talking about symptoms and things, and Mom said, yes, when you do that. Um, and he said, well, you're yelling at me. And I'm thinking, no, Mom's tone of voice changes the third time she asks you, but the volume doesn't go up. Yeah. To the child, you're yelling at me. You're really piling on this, this I'm really bad kind of thing, that or different Michael, perceptions. Michael Jelinek's article about the fact that by the 12th birthday, the average child with ADHD has heard 20,000 additional 
negative or corrective messages, mm. whether they are on medication or not. Uh, and I, you just can't have 20,000 negative messages without it having an impact on anybody. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, I mean, there's, there's a reality here. But the, that, that's something you really have to explain to non-ADHD people is this is more than what you experience. It's a lot more. Mm-hmm. People with ADHD, basically there was, they kept on telling the researchers, I can hardly stand it. And again, at mm-hmm. Harvard, they had to put it in Greek. You know, they wanted to say <laughs> how devastating this emotional experience was right up there in the name, and then they put it in Greek. Dysphoria, yeah. Dysphoria. So it's, it's an intense emotional experience um, that most people uh, with ADHD uh, spend their lives trying to protect themselves from it. Um, mm-hmm. They become people pleasers. They spend their lives scanning everybody in their world, figuring out what it is that person would approve of or praise, and that's what they give them. Oftentimes, for people with ADHD, um, they are so busy making sure that everybody else is happy that they lose track of what they wanted for their lives. Oh, boy. They're so and, busy with, with other people's desires. And I, I see that time and time again where um, someone will, as we're talking, finally say, yeah, well, I want to make sure everybody else is okay or while well, I'm, I'm uh, helping others. And I'm thinking, yes, but you're not helping yourself. Um, and you're really stifling yourself and not going out and doing some things you need. And people wear out. <laughs> there's, a, there's a limit of how much you can do that. And so that's a, a toll this takes on people with ADHD. Oh, absolutely. And you, I, I see it with 45-year-old mothers the kids are now grown, they're off at college, and it's her turn. You know, mm-hmm. now it's my turn, and nobody's there to help her. Nobody's yes. There. And talk about resentment of, you know, I spent 45 years of my life um, doing this, and now it, there's no appreciation. Well, that, that's that's mm-hmm. resentment. Um, other people try to be perfectionist, to be above reproach, above criticism. Um, some people just give up trying. Mm-hmm. They, uh, these are the uh, slackers of the world. The, the people with ADHD who are brilliant, they've got a college degree, but they do nothing with their lives. And it's because uh, the whole notion, the imagination of going out there, trying something in front of everybody, and failing yeah, terrifying. And so it's better not to try at all. Uh, I've got lots of patients uh, who have never been able to apply for a job, who have never mm-hmm. been able to ask somebody out on a date, because just the imagination of being turned down is so devastating, it's better to not even try. Mm-hmm. So the rejection sensitivity literally takes their lives away, um, because they, they'd rather avoid the pain and not have a life um, and risk that devastating emotional pain. Yeah, 
and I'm uh, reminded when you say avoid the pain, uh, which yes, most people would say, yeah, I want to avoid pain. And uh, I think it's the opening line of M. Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled, life is about how you deal with your pain. Pain's going to be there. That's part of life. How are you going to deal with it? The whole principle is in Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Life is suffering. So uh, what can people do about this? How, how can you, uh, and I know medication is, is one thing uh, we've talked about. Right. How to, of the things you can do, medication is one. Are there others? Uh, the answer is we don't know. Um, it's what my patients tell me. That's that's the best I can do. Mm -hmm. Is that this hits so quickly? Again, it goes from zero to devastating in a fraction of a second. Now uh, that there's no time to use uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. Or yeah, they, the techniques might work for all we know, but not fast enough. Um, mm -hmm. and it, it's a perception, and the, ep the episode goes from zero to full in a second. Uh, and what I hear from my patients is, once it gets started, it has to run its course. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, because I, I just, when I'm in it, I just feel totally devastated, powerless to do anything about it. I just have to I, all of my energy goes into uh, trying to look like to other people that nothing's going on. Right, and then and I explain it to people as there's the emotional reactivity pathway in your brain, and then there's another pathway that takes um, emotions or situations through the thinking part, the prefrontal cortex, the executive functions. When this hits, there's nothing going down the thinking pathway. Right. And when one is in the middle of it, you can't make it do that. And so I have seen um, parents or spouses say, well, I'm just trying to reason with them. You can't reason with someone when they're in the middle of that. And I think right. that's universal. If, if whoever drowning, you can't reason with them. Right. So you, you do have to step back and just let it happen. And my experience is that people with ADD, once they've calmed down, they're, uh, they're mortified that they've done this. And oh, they, yeah. they apologize and they're, they're feeling a lot of remorse, but they don't know how to <laughs> change it the next time, which is, meanwhile, the person that's just been you know, hit with both barrels uh, is thinking, boy, I don't want that to happen again. And yes, thanks for apologizing, but I'm now I'm really scared. What? The other thing that I hear from my patients is that yeah, when they are in the midst of one of these episodes, they are they feel profoundly cut off from other people. Um, they describe a profound loneliness as if I've been cast out, as mm. if I'm outside the realm of other people, uh, isolated, 
um, and disconnected from the world around them. It is as if their participation in their environment just grinds to a halt until this episode has run its course. Um, so it's, it's very hard for other people to reach them. The few people who have found something that works um, will say if they can find something new, fascinating to get engaged with, that can pull them out very quickly. Again, but it's very hard to have the presence of mind to do that. Yeah. And, and also I've had several people say that somebody who uses some very gentle humor um, can help bring them out. Uh, it's a mm -hmm. gentle, what they call a gentle invitation to return uh, to an accepting non-judgmental relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. Many people, that, that's very helpful. But the other person has to know that. Uh, yes, so there's an awareness and an education part. Well, I want to redirect this a little bit to the medication side, not because certainly that that's the only solution, but we're running up into time uh, here. And I, I do want people to know that, yes, medication can help. It's not the answer, just the stimulants don't answer everything in ADHD. Um, so what have you found the most effective medication? And um, uh, the, the most effective one is difficult to use, and that are the monamine oxidase inhibitors, uh, which require that you have to go on a diet, you have to avoid uh, medications, the most important of which are the ADHD stimulants. Um, so the MAOIs are very difficult to use, uh, but they're extremely effective for about 85% of people. Um, and when they work, people just love them. They're willing to put up with all of this hassle. The easier ones to use, and when they work, they work exceedingly well, are again the alpha-2 agonist. Guapacine, mm -hmm. um, the response rate, the very robust, life-changing response rate to each one is fairly low, disappointingly low, at about 30%. So if you took 100 people, started them on whichever alpha agonist you were feeling lucky with that day, about 30% of people is going to change their lives. 70% of people are going to go, what's the big blue? I don't see anything. Or it's mm -hmm. drowsy. In that case, if that happens, you stop that one and you try the other one, and there's another 30% chance they're going to respond. Um, it's a 30% response rate, but it's a different 30% of the patient population. Yeah. So that in total, if you end up having to try both, uh, you get about a 55 to 60% life-changing level of response. Uh, and usually with no side effects. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of get get used to it or um, kind of it goes away, like the jitteriness of an ADD medicine a stimulant when someone starts it, that usually wears off. It may take longer, say, for the People drowsiness to wear off. Tolerant in a matter of days. Mm -hmm. there, there are four common side effects. Uh, the big one is whenever you're uh, adjusting the adrenaline system downward, um, you're going to run the risk of some mild sedation. Um, in mm -hmm. all years of practice, I've had only one person 
who was not able to get up and go to work, get up and go to school. I mean, they feel sedated, but they still function. Uh, next most common is dry mouth. Um, next most common is a mild headache uh, that again goes away in about three days. Uh, and then the last one is uh, an accentuation of a universal experience. Uh, everybody's had it of when we stand up suddenly and get a little dizzy, mm. goes a little gray. Uh, the technical term is orthostasis. Um, that can become more frequent, but usually you also have to be um, fluid depleted, um, dehydrated for that. Mm -hmm. Well, so if that happens, you know, drink another liter of water, you'll be fine. And that's the commonly known uh, head rush. Head rush. You stand up and you get that um, kind of rushed feeling. Um, I'm going to need to uh, cut short our discussion, which uh, we probably could keep on going for another two hours anyway. Um, but this has been very, very helpful um, in looking at the emotional dysregulation, that oversensitivity to emotions, uh, which I liken to the sensitivity to texture of clothes or to noise. Well, there's a sensitivity of emotions. And then the very special, um, or special, it's certainly not special if you're in the middle of it, um, but <laughs> distinctive, yes, uh, case of the rejection sensitivity, uh, which is, I guess, an, an extreme example of the emotional dysregulation. And I think this has been very helpful uh, information to me and uh, I'm sure to my listeners. Uh, this is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host of ADHD Focus, and I, I thank my guest, Dr. Bill Dodson, uh, for his expertise in the field and sharing that with us. Uh, so with that, Bill, thank you so much for another opportunity to talk with you. Well, thanks for inviting me, David. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Take care.